gentlemen, welcome to another year with the most electrifying must-listen-to podcast in sports entertainment. Welcome to FFC. I am your host, anniversary birthday boy, the incomparable, innumerable Damien Ellinghouse, accompanied as always by good friend and lover of candles and cake, Ryan Doyle. Deep within the walls of time, a creature thus be born. A creature thus be born. Happy birthday, buddy. I don't get the reference. Happy birthday. Spirit journey and formation anniversary. Okay, very good. Uh, This is the part where you say the number of years. (laughs) I won't be doing that. Happy birthday to us. By the time this drops, it'll be, I believe, a day shy of two years to the day that the greatest podcast in the history of small town podcasts was launched. The filthy fucking casuals are here to discuss, deliberate, denumerate, and drink. And so that's what we're going to be doing here. Now, of course... We have to talk about some full gear and a little bit of New Japan and maybe your Survivor Series, whatever. I feel like they're not building towards it, so why should I have to? But whatever. But then, of course, it's time for a good old-fashioned look back and think about all the great things that we have done that everyone else didn't do as good at as we did. So... Right, yes. Right before just our three-hour Raw roundup, uh, I know everybody's been waiting for that. Three-hour Raw roundup, let's do it. Come on. All right, so to start off, we've got Shorty G taking on (laughs) King Nakamura. And... uh, Is he even on... Raw? Who's on anything anymore? Ryan Brent? I don't know. Who, nothing matters. What are you drinking? I see Kevin, Kevin Owens' soul being sucked out of him. Poor Kevin. Further and further every day. Poor, poor Kevin. What are you drinking, Ryan? Well, I have a nice 7-Eleven selection tonight, and uh, do not worry, it's not... Natty Daddy! Ryan Natty, is drinking Natty, Natty, Natty Daddy. Daddy. I'm drinking a Natty Daddy, though. I'm drinking a Goose Island Beer Company. It is a tropical beer hug with a nice little fun fun bear right on the can it's a ddh double ipa and it's a 9.9 oh boy all right let's celebrate correctly a double dry hop uh so that's goose island pride of chicago bunch of sellouts i've got a couple of uh independently owned crafters unlike corporate ryan over here uh best friend of corporate mike over at through the island so uh, official uh, official beer Official craft beer at the New York Islanders. <laughs> yeah, Goose Island. Well, I'm I'm supping on a Sierra Nevada Pale Ale because it's what I opened prior to the podcast. However, okay, Mr. Coors. Okay, Mr. Coors. However, however, are they owned by Coors? Is that a thing? Uh, I believe so. Coors or fucking South African Miller. Are you sure? Uh, uh nope. They are. Uh, I stand corrected. Ah, I knew it. I stand corrected. Yeah, the you think you Sufferfest fucking Sufferfest Brewing Company, Incorporated. Okay, the, well, okay, yeah, okay. All right. Wait a minute. Hold on. Whatever. It doesn't matter. Keep going. 
thought you could fucking do one over. Thought on I me. could do one over on no, you. Nope. Sir. No, sir. No, sir. The people. Uh, but for for the uncracked lad, we've got Allagash North Sky. And this is a smooth, roasted, silky stout from Maine with love. Independent brewers since 1995, clocking in at a good 7.5%. Like a clear night lit by stars, this silky Belgian-inspired stout balances light notes of fruit and sweetness with roasty malt. Inspired by the late evenings spent around a crackling campfire, North Sky is brewed to merge lightness and darkness into a super sippable stout. Real, real Pete Steele energy right there. <laughs> I want my girlfriend <laughs> back. My girlfriend's girlfriend's Alagash. <laughs> I'm sad and drink beer. <laughs> Uh, so we crack in honor of us to us for us and nothing but the us. So help us, us. Cheers, brother. Two years. That's really good. That's really good. Not bad. Smooth, silky, (laughs) stout. So. Uh, let's talk about America. No, let's talk about New Japan. We'll talk about New Japan and then we'll move to America. So, first and foremost, the G1 Climax behind us and Power Struggle behind us as well. Uh, an overall very solid card. Um, now, let's address the Gato-sized elephant in the room here, which is... Um, what we're doing in the main event scene, which is admittedly a little confusing uh, for sure. But so Kazuchika Okada, after winning the G1 uh, over Kota Ibushi, after Kota Ibushi uh, dislocated his shoulder in a failed Phoenix Splash attempt, um, asked the chairman to let him carry the V4 IWGP Heavyweight Championship instead of the G1 briefcase. Declared himself G1 champion, said that Shingo should be challenging him because his belt isn't real, and said that he'll be holding this belt for Ibushi. Um, Osprey, of course, over in the States and Britain, uh, carrying around his own version of the IWGP World Championship, uh, World Heavyweight Championship, saying that he never lost, he was stripped of it when Moxley got to hold the belt for a year, and so Shingo is not a legitimate champion. So a lot of people disrespecting the Rampage Dragon here, which I am no fan of. Um, and so the the V4 is being treated as the G1 briefcase. And so at Power Struggle, your main events, which you saw as you saw at the top of the card, Shingo Takage taking on Zack Sabre Jr., uh, one of the only people to defeat him in this year's G1 after shockingly tapping him out. Kazuchika Okada defended the what they are calling the IWGP World Heavyweight Right to Challenge in Tokyo Dome contract belt versus Tamatanga, his um, only blemish in the G1. And then down the card, you had Tanahashi versus Kenta for the IWGP US Heavyweight Championship. Robbie Eagles versus El Desperado for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship. Toriano versus Great Okan for the provisional KOPW 2021 
uh, weird trophy title in an amateur wrestling match. Uh, and a six-man, I never open weight six-man tag championship match between the chaos team of Yoshihashi, Tomohiro Ishii, and Hiroki Goto in their 10th uh, defense against Bullet Club slash House of Torture members show Yujiro Takahashi and Evil. Um, so real quick to go from the bottom up, uh, the chaos team of Yoshiashi, Ishii, and Goto winning the never open weight six man and Yoshiashi hoping, uh, holding his first ever belt was a really good story. And they had a lot of really good defenses. So naturally bullet club went over. Uh, so their historic reign comes to an end and now evil and his fuckery get belts, which hooray. Yujiro looks like he's having a bad midlife crisis. Uh, he always, he's looked like that ever since 2013. So that's okay. a good that's a good way to describe it. He comes out with Peter uh, showing off ass and body and calls himself the Tokyo Pimp and just doing the least. So that's that's good old Yujiro for you. Uh, the KOPW match was probably extremely boring for everybody but me. I kind of love amateur wrestling, and I love when Toriano gets to show off his wrestling acumen. Great Okan is an accomplished uh, amateur wrestler himself. They both dressed up in singlets. And oh, shit. I'm looking at this Headbands. Right now. Really it's did. very fun. <laughs> uh, Yano went over. Uh, they, so... They do, they do like the classic like American style. Yes, Greco, this, Greco Roman style. This was like Greco Roman amateur rules. It was uh, three three minute rounds, uh, points based scoring for takeovers, takedowns, uh, positioning the like. Yano ended up going over with a really good uh, scoop slam at the end, and then got beaten up by Great Okan and uh, Aaron Hanare. Uh, the Junior Heavyweight Championship match, a great match between Robbie Eagles and El Desperado. Uh, uh, people may remember that Robbie Eagles defeated El Desperado shortly before the G1 to reclaim the belt. And then him and Tiger Mask defeated uh, Yoshinobu Kanemaru and El Desperado for the IWGP Tag Junior Heavyweight Championship. Uh, however, it was Despi that got his revenge here in a very good match over Robbie Eagles. Uh, I will get to my thoughts on this in a second, but it was a solid match and I'm always here for Despi. Uh, and Robbie Eagles, glad to see him back. Tanahashi versus Kenta. So Kenta has been chasing this belt ever since Moxley won it, and Kenta held the uh, briefcase, and Moxley couldn't come over to Japan, wouldn't fight him in the um, in America, and then Kenta lost to him uh, on New Japan Strong. And Tana, I would call Tana one of the, I mean, he's the Galactic Ace, but I would really call him one of the true stars of the pandemic era for New Japan. He was on every card, and he really seemed to turn back the clock and just delivered a bunch of really great matches. This match, Tanahashi hit a fucking high-fly flow to the floor through a table. Like, Tana didn't give a shit anymore. Um, But ultimately, it was Kenta that would come out on top here. And, uh... Did I say Tana? Did I say Kenta? I don't remember what I said. Kenta came out on top. Uh, Kenta finally gets the IWGP Heavyweight Championship um, and immediately calls out CM Punk, who, as everyone knows, stole Kenta's go to sleep. Um, This is almost certainly going to happen at some point, Kenta versus CM Punk, which is so fucking cool. Uh. Tana continues to inspire awe at 43, almost 44 years old. 
23 minute match, you know, the man has a tireless motor. Um, then you had Okada versus Tama Tonga. Tama, uh, really continuing to show off his singles chops. Another really great match against Okada. Okada would of course prevail here, but, um, shout outs to the gorillas for just really putting on top, top notch stuff here. And in, in the main event, Shingo Takage versus Zack Sabre Jr. Um, this match was incredible, people. 30 minutes. Goddamn. This match was absolutely incredible. Um, I love Zack Sabre Jr. I love Shingo. I make no apologies or qualms about that. So I understand this may come off as biased. However, it's just the fucking coolest thing in the world to see these two fighting for the World Heavyweight Championship. And in such a good match. I really, really hope Zack continues to be allowed to shine in the main event scene like this. Also, um, the coolest fucking last of the dragon ever. Because what he did to set Zack up for it, or to get him in position, is Zack went for a PK. Shingo grabbed his leg. Then Zack went for a swing. Shingo ducked and grabbed his arm. Zack went to slap him with the other arm. Shingo grabbed that and then hoisted him up immediately into position for the last of the dragon. It was one of the fucking coolest spots that I've seen. Um, If you take nothing from anything I've said in the last five minutes, like go watch this match. Um, ZSJ is the best technical wrestler in the world. And Shingo Takage, I would probably call the star of the pandemic era for New Japan. The number one star, him and Zack. They got to throw Zack a bone eventually. I don't know about maybe not the heavyweight championship, but I mean, it's good to see him in the spotlight. Considering the other guys that they could have put in this match, you know. I think like that... What, go ahead. Where does Power Struggle rank on big shows? Power Struggle is one of the biggest ones. You know, it's right before Wrestle Kingdom. Um, it's no, It's no small pay-per-view by any stretch of the imagination. So, uh, it's a good show, and I'm glad that Zach is getting that type of play. Um, they always run it out of Osaka. They've been doing it since 2011. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a it's a big deal one. So, I'm I'm really happy for Zach to get his G1 run to get a a, a shot here, and just to keep killing it and Shingo. Uh, that's my fucking guy. That's my goddamn guy. So, if you do nothing else, go watch that. And to get us out of Japan, since, you know, we've got other things to talk about. You had a comment on Robbie Eagles. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah. So, so a general comment in general, uh, a, a more generalized comment is, you know, New Japan, partly because of the lack of gaijin available... Um, quarantining protocols, all that. You've seen a lot of kind of bouncing around with the junior heavyweight championship and the tag championships, um, kind of just like bouncing between people. And this is another example where like Eagles beat Desperado for it, had one defense, immediately dropped it back to Desperado. And and you've been seeing a lot of that. Um, it's a little bit of a shame. I would have liked Eagles to get like another defense. It would have been cool to see him at Wrestle Kingdom. But... They're setting this up for a major showdown between Despy and somebody at uh, Wrestle Kingdom. So, like, I understand it. But, you know, it's uh, 
it's a it's one of the critiques I have about New Japan. I, I think they've done the best they can, but that is a legitimate critique. It's just it's a lot of bouncing right now. Well, you got to hope that uh, well, with the world is in somewhat of a balance right now. Yeah, they can't they can't rely on the current system of just cycling these guys in and out, especially because they don't win half the time. You know what I mean? Maybe this is just a casual perspective of it, but it just seems that a lot of these guys that have been, and you know, I mean, good on them for still uh, not only willing to be part of these shows, but you know, I mean, you get what I, you understand what I'm trying to say with, with the guy, and just like every time they just seem to lose every time. <laughs> well, and, 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 you know, it's, it's, it's tough because you don't know where people are going. AWs around now. And you're in a pandemic and the quarantining is fucking rough. And it's why people like Jay White and Will Ospreay were in the G1. Um, and that's a problem. But um, the rumor is... So they, they've been starting to loosen some of the things. And what they said is they would allow crowds to start cheering again if they ran venues at half capacity. Mm-hmm. So between that and apparently by the end of the year, they're looking to lower the quarantine for people with like visas who are vaccinated to three days instead of two weeks. The hope is that come Wrestle Kingdom, you will see a new rebirth out of this era where you can get back to the voracious Japanese crowds and get the full uh, flight of, of Gaijin and, and, and other people working out of country and people being able to cycle in and out a little easier um, that's the hope for sure. Um, so that's what we're hoping to build towards. And and like I said last podcast, we've got World Tag League and Best of Super Juniors coming up. All I'll say about that is the teams and members have been announced. So World Tag League uh, and Best of Super Juniors, they both work like the G1. They are round robins. So each, P- each team or each individual will face each other uh, once. Uh, in years prior, the Best of Super Juniors was a two-block affair. However, in light of a lack of talent, this will just be a single-block affair um, for both. So for World Tag League, you're going to have the mwah, team of Hiroshi Tanahashi and the good lord Toriyano, which love it, love everything about it. Uh, the great, heel, great bash heel team of Togi Makabe, and Hanma. You will have Tenkozi, Tenzan, and Satoshi Kojima. You will have uh, Yuji Nagata and Bread Tiger Club. Mask. I'm sorry? Bread Club. Bread Club. Uh, you will have Yuji Nagata and Tiger Mask. Tiger Mask currently one half of the junior tag team champions with Robbie Eagles. You will have Yoshihashi and Goto for Chaos. You will have the return of Tetsuya Naito and Sonata, so clearly Naito's knee, not that bad, didn't require surgery. You will have the reigning champions, uh, Taichi and Zack Sabre Jr. You will have the return of the mighty Minoru Suzuki, and in a real shocker here, um, somebody that we did not expect to see back around, Taka Michinoku. Hey, all right. Um, now this is a little problematic as Michinoku has some less than stellar stuff out there about him currently. Oh uh, no, no. Yeah, yeah. Um, but You're trying to cancel Taka, man. Well, he might have canceled himself, but it's a thing. Uh, we are seeing Great Okan with Aaron Hanare instead of Jeff Cobb. That's because Jeff Cobb's work in the U.S. currently, but that's awesome. Happy to see Hanare back. 
uh, Great O'Conn and Jeff Cobb were one of the best teams last year. The reigning uh, World Tag League 2020 winners, Tamatanga and Tangaloa, the Gorillas of Destiny, uh, Bullet Club's Evil and Yujiro, and finally, Bad Luck Fale and Chase Owens. Bad Luck Fale has not been seen in a real long time, so this is his return from the Fale Dojo. Uh, it's a solid it's a solid match, uh, a solid mix. Glad to see Suzuki back. Michinoku uh, is an interesting wrinkle into there. Um, I will. I don't. I don't need to do predictions, but it'll be good stuff. And then for the best of Super Juniors, you're gonna have Yusuke Taguchi, Master Wato, Robbie Eagles, Yo, Hiromu Takahashi, Bushi, El Desperado, Yoshinobu Kanemaru, Duki, Taji Ishimori, El Fantasmo, and Sho. Um, another solid block. Sho and Yo are going to be a match to watch. Interesting to see how Yo bounces back from uh, his humiliating turn and defeat by show last time they saw each other. The return of ELP is always a great thing. Love to see Robbie Eagles back in the best of Super Juniors. Master Wato is bulked up a little, is looking a little bit better. Uh, and overall, I think this is going to be really good. And of course, the return of Hiromu. So will you see Hiromu winning and retaking on Desperado at Wrestle Kingdom Will it be ELP? Will it be um, show? It's hard to say, but good stuff coming up. So um, anyway, that's what you got going on for New Japan. It's good stuff. Sorry, tried to rush it as much as I could, but I had to get through a lot there. So um, a 20 minute recap of New Japan. That's a yeah, not too bad, right? That's not bad for you. Yeah, I, I kept myself. I kept myself reasonably. uh reasonably on brand on target here to, to be fair you were ready to move on and i i uh, coerced you into another 10 minutes there so you're welcome everybody else <laughs> uh anyway to get on to the big thing happening this weekend um a day after this episode drops is of course full gear 2021 where one of the most anticipated matches of aw's short life is upon us, um, but with a really good card otherwise. So, uh, Ryan, why don't you take us from the uh, from the bottom up and, and let's talk about what we got going on for Full Gear here. Let's do it. So, first off, we start with a nice little multi-man tag team action. We got Kristen Cage and Jurassic Express versus the Super Click continuing their feud for the last couple of months now. Mm-hmm. Uh, should be a fun match. Not much to say about this. Um Cage obviously joining Jurassic Express. I think he he's really taking it to the next level here with uh, in terms of violence. But I mean, not really. I guess you know he just really hates those shoes, man. It's cool though. I I uh, I think I, I know that people probably differ on whether they think you know some people feel that AEW dropped the ball and that Christian Cage should have been uh, given the edge treatment. But uh, I kind of like what they're doing with Christian Cage here. He has nothing to prove. He He's the first person to pin Kenny Omega in like over a year. Uh, he was Impact Champion. And I, I like him with the younger and guys. And that's more than we... <laughs> Nobody expected that. You're lying if you did. So, no, I mean, 100%. It would be different if Christian had the acumen. And no disrespect to Christian, who's an absolute legend in our business. But if Christian had the acumen that Edge did then yes, that would be a fair yeah. uh, comparison to make. But I mean, yeah, Christian's having fun, bro. So let him have fun. Let him have fun, and it's cool to see the super click back. Yes, that too. Next up, we got Darby Allen versus MJF. 
Uh, Darby really stepping it up in the last couple of weeks. Like the seething energy from him has just expanded more so than it has been in the last months. Uh, I think that he's really banking on a win here after losing the CM Punk. So, uh, and of course, MJF just never dials it down below eight, uh, calling his mom a slut on Twitter this week. Go. So that's a new, a new level in heat that I have not experienced from a wrestler before. Yeah, thanks, mom. <laughs> so uh, I think Darby gets the win here. Uh, certainly, you know, MJF can pull out the win at any moment, of course. But I think that you know, Darby's going to be meandering out through the upper mid tier of the card here for the next couple of months. So interesting to see where that goes. If it goes into another TNT uh, title reign, if it goes into uh, another upper card spot, maybe he gets another win against CM Punk back. But uh, yeah, it should be just a classic AEW feud. Yeah. It's important to highlight two of their young pillars here in a, uh, in a card that is largely dominated by, a healthy mix of their future and wrestling's past. So I think it's smart to give these two a good 15, 20 minutes. And this is a feud I would expect to see for a while. And so I think regardless of who comes out here, I think that you will probably see more between them uh, for a little bit here. I would be fine with a, with a, a couple months feud here between these two and, uh, Really, because MJF hasn't had a, a a good proper program in a little bit here. He's just more, I, I won't say he's just been used as a heater, but he's been used largely as a heater. And and I think these two will work well together. So I'm, I think whoever wins, I think you should get a good solid match. And it'll be interesting to see the clash of styles between Darby's breakneck, very modern style against MJF's uh, style, largely rooted in old school Southern wrestling. I like to see MJF being put up against those types of guys, though, because it, it just really shows what else he can pull out in the arsenal. He can keep up, for he sure. Can, he definitely can. I mean, his endurance is crazy. You know, I would not be surprised if he can go, and even in like a, a full 30-minute... This won't get 30 minutes, but you know, you understand what I'm trying to say. No, no, no. Right? I Yeah, for sure. I agree. Like, if, if I could see MJF on a New Japan match. I think that he would work so perfectly in like an 80s 90s all japan card like oh yeah he'd, definitely he'd fit in so definitely. well there but yeah absolutely um yeah I, I i'm interested to see the clash of styles here in a proper match uh next up we have the tag team championship match we have the lucha brothers versus ftr uh ftr getting the surprising albeit cheap victory for the triple a belts uh certainly something you don't see every day jim Cornette having a heart attack of them dressed up as uh Ninja Turtles, although that was his idea, so <laughs> I stand corrected. But uh, anyway, that was pretty fun. Um, has anything become of that? Have they uh, have they lost those yet? Has there been no, a Triple A show? No. So um, they had one defense so far where... So, so uh, of course, we're not talking about FTR here. We're talking about Las Superanas. Um. And they took on uh, who the fuck was it that they took on? They took on um, <sighs> it was Callisto, Callisto and Eric. Oh, Aero I'm sorry, it was, my bad. It was I did about, about Triple A. Yeah, the it, Lucha Dragons. It was Callisto and Aerostar. Yes, there you go. Okay, Jesus Christ, I'm gonna have to cut out like a good minute and a half there. <laughs> 
so so yeah, um, the Triple R Tag Championship being handed over to Las Superanas, uh, and then defeating Callisto and Aerostar to retain. But this is their first meeting for the Tag Team Championship. So just continuing that feud. Uh. Lucha Brothers should pick up the, the win here. No reason that they shouldn't, but I expect this to be a very good match. Lucha Bros and FTR have both really yet to disappoint yep. in these types of high-profile matches. They are a great, um, a great. They, you know, their their match on Dynamite was very good, and now you're going to get to see them uh, really unleash. So yeah, I, the, Lucha Brothers should absolutely retain, but this should be a very good match. We have what certainly will be the match of the night for Damien. We have the Inner Circle versus the Men of the Year. Ethan Page and Scorpion Sky. And don't forget, American Top Team. Yeah. Another Inner Circle feud. They will probably win. You know. Uh, who came out at Grand Slam that the crowd went nuts for? It was an MMA guy. I don't know. They bring out these random... Like, I like MMA, it was, but it like, was I'm Junior not... Dos Santos. I'm pretty sure. No, it was um, Ma- Masvidal. Oh there you go. yeah, yeah, it was Masvidal. You're right. You're I, right. People went nuts. I had no idea what was going on. So yeah, I guess you know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we'll just give a who cares to this one. Uh, look, uh, I understand that I that I'll speak for myself. I won't put words in Ryan's mouth. I understand that I may find myself currently in a minority of AEW fans that like feel any type of way about the inner circle no i mean like regardless of that regardless of that it's just been they've just been like kind of just hanging around the last couple months. this feud has done nothing to help the people it was supposed to help which is ethan Ethan page and scorpio sky that's 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 what really needs to be hammered home here um like i mean yeah ethan page got a match against sammy and yes it was good but like it didn't need to be in this weird backdrop of this feud and like no disrespect to Dan Lambert, who's doing his job as a heater. And, like, listen, if you can say nothing else, he's getting the ever-loving fuck boot out of him. So Great on the mic. He's, Gotta hand it to him. It's working. Um, and it's no disrespect to American Top Team either. You know, it's it's not to suggest that, uh, you know, I understand that this is a way to introduce a lot of them. I just uh, don't – I just don't care. Well, especially since Ethan Page was one of the hot, like the hottest names last year, and you know AEW scoring everybody. But you know, I I thought that he would have um, been a little put more on the forefront. And of course, Scorpio Sky, we're all waiting for it. We're all waiting for that goddamn run. I so. just don't think it's happening for Scorpio. L- listen, man, Sky Sky's promo work is not that great. Once again, he got overshadowed by another tag partner. But um, I, I got no problem with Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky being in the tag team. Although, why you separated Scorpio from his super popular tag team to make him go heel and immediately go into another tag team with another person who's more charismatic than him it seems yep. like sketchy logic. But, uh, yeah, I just... And you know what it really boils down to for me? Sammy is TNT champion. Cool. I, and I get it. He's he's uber talented. He's super over. I get it. Santana and Ortiz are not getting enough shine right now. Um, and the tag division could certainly use them. Uh, and, and like, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but like, I don't give a fuck where Jake Hager is like ever. I don't ever care where he is and it's not important to me. And like, I can get Chris Jericho off my TV yesterday. I just don't fucking care. I didn't care with MJF. I don't care now. 
Yeah. I'm just I'm just over it. I'm just I'm over it. I'm over the like Jericho. Happy birthday, Chris Jericho. Fuck you. Jericho <laughs> Jericho is the fucking highlight of this feud when he really does not need it in anyone in the inner circle. Like prop up Sammy, prop up Santana and Ortiz. Like Jericho doesn't need to be the fucking I don't know. It's Well, Sammy's on his own now. I don't think, you know. Yeah, I think but he's, he's not. Himself. He's not. He's like in this, you know, it's I don't know. It's just I don't know who this feud serves, really. Like, I don't know Chris who Jericho. it's helping. Chris Jericho is cool, and he will uh, he will continue to be cool uh, with his uh, yeah, his cores his cores laid in six pack. His so. good his good his good theme song <laughs> that we all love and adore and can't live without. Move on. And let me look around the ring for 30 seconds as I'm really impressed by the umpteenth time of the crowd singing oh, my goddamn song. You know, it was cool for the Jericho Cruise where it was like this moment of like, oh, wow, it's cool that this song is over. But uh, enough, enough, enough. Move on. Move on to a thing that's actually interesting. Let's get on to the real goddamn meat potatoes of this card. And we have CM Punk versus Eddie Kingston. Now, listen now, here. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Because I can gush, but you gush. You gush. Have you read Eddie Kingston's article in The Athletic this week? I'm sorry. The, the Players' um, Tribune? The Players' Tribune. No, it, no. I heard it was very good, though. Very fantastic. Um, Eddie Kingston is not shy of who he is. And they alluded to this in the feud with CM Punk saying that, you know, homicide didn't want to deal with your fucking shit. All the people that you aligned yourself over the years don't want to deal with your shit. You're here because you got over one time on a uh, a random uh, match that you had last year during the pandemic, and you turned it into something good for yourself, but people are just tired of you. And on the upswing of it, Eddie Kingston is tired of CM Punk coming out every week to the crowd, giving the same uh, promo that he's been doing for the last couple of weeks. It is... It's a good... It's a good point, you know, too, because I don't know. CM Punk like kind of alluded to himself that he will turn heel one day. But, you know, it's kind of like, listen, they are giving fans across the country just a three-month-long welcome back for CM Punk. And they deserve it, you know. Uh, this is their first time seeing them in over a decade. So I get that aspect of it. But you know what I mean? Kind of like when the wink and the nod happens in wrestling, you kind of like feel it when they do stuff like this over and over again every week but you know if that was the case then everybody in WWE will be healed so I uh I understand the critiques about punk and like for the umpteenth time nobody understands TV ratings don't pretend you do shut up yada yada uh some people view the ratings as a disappointment in the wake of getting Brian Danielson and CM Punk and uh Adam Cole and feeling that CM Punk's return has been wasted by him just feuding with what people are considering no names. But um, I take the, I suppose, unpopular opinion that, like you said, this is like CM Punk getting to just say hi to the wrestling world again, which is important for him. And the fans don't give a shit what he's doing. They're just into it. Uh, and I appreciate that they're giving him a chance to naturally. One thing that I think you can say about AEW that I have appreciated from Jump is when people come to the company, they don't tend to just get skyrocketed straight to the main event out of nowhere. And I appreciate that. I do. Um, they did it with Christian. 
They did it with Brian Danielson. Now, I know you're probably thinking, well, Brian Danielson had a match with the world champion, but it was a non-title match, and since then, he has he's fought, you know, Eddie Kingston and Bobby Fish and, you know, people that are not at the top of the card. And I appreciate that they're, they're letting CM Punk develop this naturally. And not a lot of people can go toe-to-toe with Punk. Uh, in, in the words of himself, most people, their arms are just too short to slap box with God. But not Eddie Kingston. Eddie Kingston is one of the most convincing promos you'll see in wrestling. And all you need to watch is that last dynamite, that six to eight minute promo off between Punk and Kingston. Great example of how little you need to sell a wrestling feud. Few people are not a character in wrestling. And Eddie Kingston is not a character. Eddie Kingston is Eddie Kingston. Uh, his promo at the end of Dynamite to close out the crowd was one of the most heartfelt things I have ever witnessed. Uh, not only at a live show, but in wrestling period. Um, so I, I'm rooting for him. Dare I say, I want him to win this match. Um, you know, it, it's just really good to see him fi- like you know, finally getting it together and you know, uh, be in the spotlight. Well-deserved. Um, like I said, we alluded to the article in the Players' Tribune. I recommend anybody to read it. CM Punk will probably get the win here, but uh, I think it, it's going to be a fucking awesome match. Uh, you know, AEW has been... Re- we, we said it time and time again. AEW has been really hitting these home runs with these single feuds, so this is certainly going to be uh, one of the matches of the night. And I... Uh... Yeah, I would love to see Eddie get the win here, and I don't really think it would hurt Punk, mainly because, yes, Punk's whole thing is, is you know, best in the world and all that, but look, he's been away for seven years. Eddie's been fucking grinding and toiling, and what would tell that story better than CM Punk getting the best of by Eddie Kingston? Um, regardless of how it winds up, like Eddie himself said, I don't care if I win or lose, I just want to beat you up. And that last line developed delivered with such viciousness. And do me a favor, when it's done, why don't you go back and quit for another seven years, leading to Punk headbutting him and and just yeah. And 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 Eddie really helped bring out the fire in Punk because we hadn't gotten a lot of classic CM Punk lines, but that one he hit on Eddie about I wasn't stupid for believing in your greatness 15 years ago, but I sure as hell was dumb for thinking you were actually going to live up to it because you're a bum. Like, that's (laughs) that's the fucking CM Punk I remember. That's the guy that lit the world on fire. So, And I think that people were really waiting for the vehicle to serve CM Punk to get to that point, and it's here, so let's uh, enjoy it. 100%. Next up, we have Brian Danielson versus Miro. Now, this one may... Steal the night here. Uh, you know, Miro lost the TNT belt. Uh, kind like, well, his reformation before that was great. I think that they, he's finally up to the level that he should be in AEW. Uh, no words for Brian Danielson. He, he's the fucking best ever. And, uh, my opinion. But, um, you know, this one is certainly going to be great. It's going to be just another. I don't know. How would you how would you encapsulate this match here? Well, you of course can't talk about this match without talking about what was supposed to be and what 
unfortunately that is true can't be that is true which is this was supposed to be brian danielson versus uh john moxley now one thing that i have me and ryan have spoken about and something that i've said before that i i do respect about AEW is and and it's not even to compare AEW to wwe just in a vacuum something that i do appreciate about AEW is when people are having a huge shift and then have something in their life happen uh AEW's not afraid to let them go and take that time and they know how to you know book in its replacement in this case John Moxley going uh to rehab which uh there will be no speculation here on this podcast there will be no um second guessing or what ifs all that we're going to say about that is good for Moxley uh good for Jonathan good for deciding to put Moxley aside and take care of himself to be a father to his daughter and a husband to his wife and a friend to his friends. And uh, I don't care if it takes him six months, a year, five years or the rest of his life. I hope that he gets the help that he needs. I hope that he recovers well. And whenever, if ever Moxley comes back to the ring, uh, we will be screaming for him just as hard as we would have otherwise. So let's, that's all I'll say about that. I got his book. It's really good. Um, and there's no other speculation worth doing for that. Aside from that, um, I agree that this could be a real show stealer. And I love that Miro's build has been natural enough by this point that like you can immediately slot him in, get him back to this main event caliber. This is not the first time that Brian Danielson and Miro have gone up against one another. First time I think they ever crossed paths was back in 2014 when Rusev was still doing the uh, Bulgarian brute, you know, against Daniel Bryan teaming up with the troops. Um, <laughs> but uh, Miro has been great since becoming God's favorite champion and now God's forsaken champion. Brian Danielson, I mean, look, you you can't in all good consciousness call this the run of Brian Danielson's career because he's just had such a fucking legendary career. But I really, really applaud him for the way he's coming to AEW and just fucking busted skulls and the American Dragon is back and he's just had banger after banger after banger. And I don't actually know where this one goes. You know, I don't know who goes over here. Will they have Miro be the one to deliver Brian Danielson his first loss? Or will Brian Danielson continue his rampage? It's it's a good question. And I like that. I like that I don't know. Let's put this one in our pocket till we get to the last one here. Yep. But we have one before this, and it's Dr. Britt Baker versus Ty Conti. Uh... You know, not much to be said about this. Britt Baker has had a great reign here. Ty Conti is one of the most up-and-coming women on the roster. Uh, it's good to see them uh, slowly but surely build up uh, an anagamy of, of women here. Uh, Ty Conti is awesome, but I do not think that she will take one over on Britt here. Not enough of a build for the feud, A. And B, I don't, you know... I don't think Ty is the right person just yet to take it away from Britt. I could be wrong, but I think Britt Baker goes over in this one. Yeah, I don't think you're wrong, and I think this one's a little bit in the bag already. Um, look, man, if it's I'll, certainly a showcase for Ty Conti, then let it serve as that for sure. All I'm going to say about this 
Um, with due respect to Britt and Ty, who both of whom I like very much, uh, Britt being one of the biggest stars in AEW. Um, I don't know, man. Fucking no pun intended, but the Bucks got to stop somewhere here. Um, you're getting a new a mid card women's title, which is great. Except you're developing a mid card title for a division that has no upper card or mid card because you're still only letting them have two matches on TV a night. And look, was Brian Danielson versus Bobby Fish a great fucking match? Yeah, but look, man, I, I get, I'm not the ratings god here, but like your ratings haven't moved that much, and they're bleeding the female viewership week after week. And I can't help but think, boy, I wonder if maybe you actually tried to give a shit about this incredibly talented division you built up. Maybe things would feel different. And now with the new releases for WWE recently, you know, are they are they going to try to bring uh, Taya Valkyrie in if Impact doesn't go back for her? Yeah. Are they going to try to get yeah. Mia Yim? Um you're going to keep bringing women in, but they're not building this division enough. They're just not. I understand you only have three hours of TV a night, but listen, I don't give a shit how many matches you have on Darker Elevation. It's on YouTube. It doesn't matter. You need to either start having all female dynamites or you need to start letting them have a couple of matches and a couple of prom like you need to split it more evenly it's not working it's doing a disservice to brit's reign and it's making you have a situation like this where ty conti who is very talented but still pretty green you're putting her in a situation where like everybody fucking knows what's gonna happen there's no I'm intrigue a- i'm gonna i'm just gonna play the advocate here i'm okay with this Again, if it serves as a showcase for Ty and she if she does great, uh, eventually, you know, then we know. We know that she could be in the upper card. We know that she deserves a title shot down the road. So it all depends. Like, let's listen. Like, you know, we, 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 we said this nearly every, every episode. Let's see where this brings us to. You know, if we still have the same conversation in three months, then yes, they still suck in disregard. I'm not expecting much in that term, but you know, uh, let's let's see what happens. Because th- again, the the need here is to build up stars. Yes, no, my, my to be clear, my issue is not putting Ty Conti in this position. No, no, I I wasn't I would no, that wasn't what I was getting at. I think you know, um. Sticking her in this match is one thing, and in sort of a ham-fisted way to get her to a title match. You know what I mean? I yeah. I, think- I just I just wish they would give the roster more time to develop. And for a smidge, it looked like maybe we we're gonna get that, and I just don't think we're getting that still. And I will be one of the first people to say, like, yeah, I, I think AEW deserves the benefit of the doubt. They haven't made a ton of missteps, but the large majority of their missteps have come from the way they've booked the women's division. And that is and more than two years now that you're, t- so you're that we're saying this. I'll agree with you on this. You, you, you featured Ruby riot in such a, uh, a fantastic way on all, um, Soho on. Yeah. On all out Ruby. Soho, she, not riot. Say, Don't know who sorry, that is. Sorry. Soho Ruby, Ruby. Soho. Uh, she, she should be on this card. She should be on this card in a match with 
whoever you want to choose. You know what I mean? Do we need, like, you know, I mean, I don't want to disservice anybody else here, but I mean, Darby, Darby Allen versus MJF, you could do that any day of the week. Um, you know, I think she should be on this card. So yes, I, I will, I will ascribe to that hundred percent. Look, Darby and MJF being on this card, not an issue. Christian Cage and Jurassic Express for a super click could not be on this card. Inner Circle versus Men of the Year could certainly not there be on go. this card. This is I'm you, sorry, that's you, a better that's you a better only answer. run you only run four pay-per-views a year. You only run four of them. You can't only have one women's match. You're in the middle of trying to de- of 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 a, of a tournament to decide a mid-card champion and you're not running a mid-card. You because you're not you don't have the time to run a fucking mid-card. Like that is a problem, Ryan. You know what? I I didn't even actually think about it until I looked at this card a couple times and you said that point and you're 100% right and for, forget just like Ruby you can't have one women's match on a three-plus-hour pay-per-view when you only run four of them, and then wonder why women aren't watching your product. It, you, you, it's just you can't do that, Ryan. It's yeah. not good. I'm madder now than I was before. <laughs> it makes no goddamn sense. Like, don't bring in another fucking woman then, because you obviously don't know how to book what Blue you already pencil. have. Blue pencil. It's gonna, like, it's gonna be. I don't care how many fucking Joshis you bring in or how many other. Like, it's not gonna matter if you don't give them time to develop. Mm-hmm. I don't give a shit about darker elevation. They don't matter. They don't. They are your version of main event. I didn't care what what fucking Ali was doing on main event, and I don't care what people are doing on dark. I'm sorry. To be fair, let's see. Let's see how this uh, TBS tournament goes. We'll see. We'll see. Right. We'll right. see. Right. Let's get to the main event of the evening. Uh, This certainly serves as probably AEW's most important feud, AEW's most important culmination will happen this Saturday night. A delicate balance of nearly a two-year storyline, as long as this podcast has been around, as long as AEW has been around. We are certainly akin with AEW as they have... Uh, their existence has been, you know, we're kind of, we're kind of, uh, we kind of have a kinship with, with AEW. We're siblings, you, one might agree? say. I'd say so. Um, listen, not much to be said about this match. Hangman versus Kenny. Uh, Hangman has been on one hell of a journey in the last year. He is the blue collar man of AEW. He is the the uh the people's he's the people's man. That's a very <laughs> I can't I can't think of a better term here. He is the he's the proletariat of AEW. Um that crowd pop on his his return on Dynamite a couple weeks ago was just awesome. It really solidifies my belief that Hangman has the energy about him and the fire about him that Stone Cold did uh, at the culmination of his character work in late 90s Attitude Era, uh, you know, without all the other stuff, without all the tweener energy that uh, Stone Cold had about him. And the Deborah um, beatings. And the, 
Yes. That came in later, though. Later, <laughs> as far as we know. Uh, but anyway, so. Austin316 says, I'll beat my wife. Honey, you're going to let your tea get stone cold. Shut up, bitch. <laughs> hey, that's a good idea. <laughs> anyway, uh, listen, Heyman's got to win here. Heyman's got to win. We need our people's champion. We need this for Hangman to get him at this level. I certainly expect him to win. I'm very pissed if he does not. Let's see what happens. I, uh, yeah. So we've spoken at length before about how wrestling does not always need to be unpredictable to be good, right? Contrast this to what I was saying about Britain Ty Conti, right? Where I was saying, where's the intrigue, right? But that is not because I think you know, it, the, the intrigue doesn't just come from like who wins, but like what is the story telling you here? Mm-hmm. Uh, Hangman is like you said, he's the everyman's everyman. Um, he's one of the most pure blue collar baby. I, I mean, look, I'm this is going to be hyperbolic, but when I look at this. Hangman is one of the most pure blue collar baby faces since Dusty Rhodes. Am I saying he's as big a star as Dusty Rhodes? No. Am I saying he's the the zeitgeist that Dusty? No. But what I am saying is that specific archetype of like the everyman's everyman, the working guy getting beaten down by the elites and, and talking for the people that, you know, bust their ass like Hangman feels like that guy. Uh, the cowboy shit promo kind of solidified that as a little bit, you know, to me, the that's cowboy shit promo felt a lot like hard times. Again, not in terms of of uh, legendary promos you'll remember in 20 years. I'm not trying to uh, compare past with present in a way that's ridiculous, but that's what it felt like to me. You know, I, I don't know if you agree with that comp. I would agree with that, yeah. Um, this character arc has been the backbone of AEW storytelling and their main event scene and their tag scene for their entire inception. And this is a situation where I do not feel AEW will get it wrong. I this 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 is the moment, and everyone knows it. It's rare that a promotion can strike gold like this, so. I think it it's very important that they do the right thing. And it's you have to of course when you're talking about a wrestling promotion, especially one with a national identity like AEW, one trying to develop a na- an international identity, you have to talk about who are the stars you build that around. Holla, if you hear me. <laughs> <laughs> He's fat. Um you have to talk about the stars that you build around and the people you trust to lead that brand into success. Hangman Adam Page is that man. Hangman Adam Page was not that man when AEW started. And that is what makes this brilliant. And we are going to, I am going to fully give all of the elite credit here. I don't remember which Jackson it was. I think it might have been Matt. One of them said, we consider Hangman to be our ace of AEW when it first started. 
And everyone was like, uh, all right, you know, I get the talent, but like, is he there? And this storyline has really, it's hit all the highs you wanted it to. And you finally get Hangman, a man whose confidence was destroyed, his ego shattered, friendships thrown aside. You are finally seeing him in every single time he's interacted with Kenny, even down to when he failed to get um, the Dark Order, their tag championship shot against the Young Bucks and subsequently lost his own uh, number one contendership. This is a confident Hangman Adam Page. Hangman no longer questions whether he's good enough. He no longer questions whether he deserves to be there. He knows he does. And he knows that he got Kenny's number. Hangman Adam Page is the right man to lead AEW into the new year, into a new day. Hangman Adam Page is the homegrown star AEW desperately needed. And he is the right person to win this match. And Kenny Omega had a great run. And I fully, fully expect this to go down as one of AEW's most important and best worked matches. And that's going to be because of Kenny and Hangman. If there's one thing that Kenny excels at, it's storytelling. And this is it, baby. Wrestling storytelling just doesn't get better than this. Absolutely. So I think this is going to be a fantastic pay-per-view. Uh, probably one of the best of the year for AEW. Might go down as one of the best in their uh, itinerary. Let's see what happens. Let's get some cowboy shit. Let's get some cowboy shit championship, baby. That's right, daddy. Cowboy shit, daddy. What a great fucking... What Just what a great chant you know like it really like not only that but as soon as like whenever you pair a great chant with like a good character work like it's just fucking it's great i i really and 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 it's and then it's it'll be time to move off this but the last thing i'll say is is um you talk about giving the fans what they want right you talk about give me what i want give me what i want kenny omega retains that's not what I want. But you talk about giving the fans what they want. You talk about what's best for business, right? This is such a good example of like, like you said, when Hangman came back in that ladder match, his pop was louder than when Adam Cole showed up. It was louder than when Brian Danielson showed up. I wouldn't say it rivaled CM Punk. That would be unfair to him. But when Adam Page came back and won that ladder match, the crowd he got John Moxley booed. I mean, think about that for Hangman Adam Page got John Moxley booed. That's how over he is. And there can be questions later about how do you best build AEW as a brand moving forward. But when you talk about what does AEW's fan base want, AEW's fan base wants Hangman Adam Page. And that pop is going to be fucking electric that crowd is gonna be electric and uh all i can say is minneapolis i hope you're ready hope you got it in you 
Yeah, considering you're not supposed to have this goddamn pay-per-view, so you better enjoy it. <laughs> Go fuck yourself. <laughs> we hate Minneapolis on FFC. Nah, just kidding. Just kidding. What? Can't, can't, can't hate on the hometown of Prince. Machine gun! What do we think of Minneapolis? We hate Minneapolis! Screw <laughs> Minneapolis! It's a little, uh, little Prince Devitt Bullet Club reference for you there. Anyway... To the main segment of tonight for our last 30, 40 minutes. The great look back, Ryan. The great look back of us. The great retrospective of we. Of we? Of we. It's time to kick off our shoes and undo the belt and look back. And all the great things that have happened in this last year of professional wrestling podcast. What a year it's been. What a year it's been indeed, Ryan. I mean, first off, let's just take a second here to acknowledge how fucking ridiculous it is that we've been doing this for two years. Two years, Ryan. We did this before there was a global pandemic. Huh? Right? They make you host a podcast for two years, Daddy. Two years. <laughs> and then they kick you out of the ass. And they can do it over the computer, Daddy. <laughs> the boss man says, you did a good job, Daddy. And they give you a gold watch and they kick you on your booty right back out there, Daddy. But Yeah, man. I mean, certainly I did not expect this to last two years. And that's no disrespect to either one of us. It's just from the small beginnings in a tiny story apartment to the big beginnings of a small story apartment and my parents' <laughs> house for most of this. I mean... Yeah, it's certainly been great. I think the best part about it is just the absolute firebrand and the culmination of the wrestling business growing, you know, I, I, I think that it, it certainly w was in place. Uh, you know, we were, we were exiting the silver era of the Indies mm -hmm. just as we started mm -hmm. getting into the beginning of AEW. But now it's just certainly like grown tenfold in terms of viewership, in terms of engagement within the community with wrestling again. Um, you know, certainly it, it, this is, you know, beyond levels in the last decade, uh, I, I see more people talk about wrestling now than, you know, from when I was a kid. I mean, first off, so I was wrong before. Our first show was published November 9th. So we're already over we are two a years. day, two years in a day, baby. But I mean, let's just to, to, to think, right? When we first started this podcast crown jewel full gear 2019 chris jericho was still champion right uh defeating cody right it, 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 when this podcast started cody rhodes we didn't hate cody just was yet. still able to challenge <laughs> for a, the AEW championship john moxley and kenny omega had their incredible lights out match the day that this got um published um hangman adam page faced Pac, right and that, that was just in full gear 
we're talking about a time before face masks and vaccinations like this. We're talking about Batista's last match in WWE. We're talking about the Fiend beating Seth Rollins for the Universal Championship. We're talking about a time when everybody expected Impact to be dead very close to now. And now, you like you said, can you imagine the wrestling business growing the way that it did? No. No, not at all. Absolutely not. You couldn't have. Um, it's frankly incredible. It really is. And, um, I, first off, I'm so grateful that the business is doing this well. It's so fucking cool. You know, I think back to when I wasn't paying as much attention to wrestling. No one could have imagined what we were going to see. In the wrestling business, uh, abroad and in America, let alone throughout a fucking pandemic. I can't believe Impact survived. Impact survived, and Ring of Honor didn't. No, they are PWG the, they are the just fucking came back. They like, are the cockroach in the nuclear wasteland of, of wrestling. Nothing will ever kill Impact. We are talking about a time in, in wrestling where Brian Danielson is almost certainly going to... Dan, where, where Daniel Bryan is going to show up in the G1 Climax. Where Kenta is going to face CM Punk and neither of them are going to be in WWE. Where Hangman Adam Page is the most over person in an American company. It's... It's, it's, it's so incredible to me where we're at and what we've been able to see and what we've been able to talk about on this podcast as a result certainly the rise of AEW we were we were wondering whether or not they would be able to hang toe to toe with NXT <laughs> and uh, we were certainly proven wrong on that we've seen the absolute destruction of WWE um, you know and we were proven right on that, by the way. We, you know, we were always talking about hoarding talent for WWE, and now they're just releasing all these people into the into the market to say, "Ha ha, try studying these people now." It's like, okay, we will, and they do, <laughs> and they keep doing it. Let's pour one out for my hole, by the way. Uh, Nia Jax finally gone from WWE. <laughs> oh, my hole. <laughs> Goodbye. Um, yeah, you know, man, it's it's really gone hand in hand with doing this podcast over the last two years. You know, wrestling was not cool at one point, but now it is certainly marginally cool. And we are very happy to continue this and talk about it with you all. So let's take a look back here. So we are. Oh. That'll be interesting. That's right, of course. So, Ryan, when this episode publishes, not only will it be our two-year anniversary, but our 50th episode. Oh, look at that. Ryan, our 50th episodes. 50, 50 episodes. Our diamond. 
just to average that for a second here, just to assume that they all took <laughs> shorter than they did, you're talking at least 4,500 minutes worth of content, 75 hours, probably more like 80. 2,693 plays as of right now. 2,693 times that somebody clicked on an episode here and said, yes, this is how I'm going to spend my next 90 minutes, my next two hours. We have had two wrestlers on friends of ours. We have had two friends of ours who happen to be wrestlers come on this show and then show up on fucking national television. That's fucking great. <laughs> we have had a friend of ours go on to have a music video featuring members of Kill Switch Engage and be featured on fucking Metal Sucks and Metal Injection and go on tours and shit. We have had one of the first guests that we ever had on this show come and do a show with just you on his own. We have persevered through remote stuff and not being able to see one another. And through all that, much like Impact, we ourselves are the cockroaches of the podcasting world. Unable to die, yet not quite alive. We are wraith cockroaches. Amongst the I mean, sewers and subways of the wrestling world. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, so, Ryan, just to give you a little bit of context here on what exactly it is we're talking about. Our one-year anniversary was November 13th, 2020. So since then, we've had Wrestle Kingdom 15. We've had some WrestleManias, et cetera, et cetera. So in the last year, what do you think has been your number one feud? It's going to be a surprising answer here, but I really have to give it to Edge and Seth Rollins. In terms of the payoffs, they've been That's really good fucking good. You know, say what you want about WWE, but they've been really fucking hitting home runs with that. And I think it's certainly uh, it might be might be ended at this point, but that has been a really good feud. You can talk about That's debuts. Yeah, you can talk about debuts. And obviously, we'll give that to CM Punk. We'll give that to Daniel Bryan and everybody else that debuted on AEW this year. But in terms of my favorite feud, yeah, that's definitely up there. You know, I might be hard-pressed to disagree with you. That's honestly. fine. It's not a, it's not a competition. <laughs> Who would no, you give no, it no. to? I, 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 no, I'm if I didn't oh, disagree. Say that, oh, okay. I'm sorry. I, I might be hard-pressed to disagree with you. Um, it really has that fucking fire, doesn't it? It does. That feud had and continues to have, or maybe is over now. It really has everything that you've really wanted out of a major feud in wrestling drama, uh, suspense, not knowing who's going to win, who goes over. Um, for myself, I think I'll probably give my overall feud to hangman versus the elite. 
um, because it's really dialed up with him coming into the Dark Order. And I think that him taking on his former friends has just been the the most uh, interesting thing wrestling's got going for it. Um, yeah, I, I think that's probably what I, I think I would go Hangman versus the Elite would be my my feud of our past year. What is the match that sticks out in your mind the most? Kenny versus Daniel Bryan at Grand Slam. That's fair. Yeah. Primarily that's definitely fair. Bias cuz I was there, but I think that was just fucking I never experienced a New Japan type wrestling match. Uh in person. And that was certainly just it hit every single fucking notch that I wanted to. And it was on first of the night. So <laughs> I think we were expecting and, that. Yeah. And yet somehow never really got out of second gear. Right. Like that's a match that towards the end started going full throttle. And that's what everybody talks about. How crazy it is that like somehow that fucking match never hit that next gear. Yeah. Uh, I also have to give it to the Lucha Brothers versus Young Bucks at All Out. That yeah. that will be my match of the year. Um, that was just fucking phenomenal. One of my favorite cage matches of all time. Um, the men just absolutely destroyed themselves in that match for our viewing pleasure, and just was just absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, no, I that that was was really fucking something. Um I think for myself my match of the year. So, I would probably give it to I would have to say honestly, uh if not Shingo versus Will Ospreay for the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship, I'd probably have to give it to Shingo versus Okada for the World Heavyweight Championship, not only because it was such a good match, but because some fucking how we got goddamn Shingo Takage as a champion in New Japan. So goddamn cool. But being realistic, the match of the year actually was Kota Ibushi versus Jay White. Okay. At Wrestle Kingdom 15. For me, watching that match early in the morning, that was the most incredible match I might have ever watched live. It was dramatic. It was exciting. It was dangerous. It, you didn't know who was going to win, who's going to go over. Hard to believe that was a year ago. Really wish I could have had a roaring crowd, but like that's probably my match of the year. You know what? So... With respect to Shingo and Okada, which I'd probably put a close number two, Kota versus Jay White for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship and Intercontinental Championship. That's mine of the year. You know, last year you asked me at the end of our episode, what was our expectations for the year ahead? And I said that we will interview someone on the AEW roster. Oh, Ryan was was kind of right, wasn't I he? I was double kind of right, my friend. But we already did at that point, so... Yeah, but, you know, whatever. 
Who cares? Doesn't matter. Who cares? We get the optics. You don't. So fuck you. The, <laughs> the next time Bryce comes on, he'll be a fully uh, rostered member, and we'll, we'll get all the the scoops. There we go. That's what we'll do. Um, but that's a good that's a good follow up, isn't it? It, it is. Well, you know what? Well, yeah, we'll we'll save that for the end. Again, what is the worst thing that happened this year in wrestling? Just the continued fucking death spiral of WWE, you know, well-deserved or not, you know, you can, we can argue that till the cows come home, but sucks. You know, I think I look back at the time of like 2014, 2015, when Moxley won his first belt, you know, and certainly they had their ills at that time as well, but I really thought it was going to blossom into a new era for WWE and that dream is dead you know and that that <laughs> shut up <laughs> dream is dead dream is dead you know I mean it just sucks it really does I'm not saying that like you know WWE has to be the only guy in town I'm not saying that they don't deserve this they kind of do but you know, it's just like you, you, I invested so much time in, in the last couple of years and it's just like, they don't care. Um, we both did the death forget. of NXT primarily. The, well, yeah. the death of NXT yeah. is probably like the main caveat of that point. We, but before, before I, I counter that, there was one important match that both of us overlooked that we should probably be flogged for. Uh, What's and that? that was Ilya Droganov versus Volta. Oh God, yeah, fuck. All right, episode Which, ever, episode over. I, I mean, I, I'm probably gonna keep my answers, but I would absolutely be fucking lying if that no, match that's there. was not one of the most incredible but matches that, I've ever seen. That goes hand in hand with my comment of, you know, that can only happen in the WWE universe within NXT. And when you saw matches like that, when you saw ma- like any of the matches from the takeovers in the last three years, you know, you had this expectation. Like when we watched Brooklyn Takeover one or two, we said, I love this so much because this is eventually going to culminate on the main roster. And time and time again, we were just. We were just fucking hung for fucking expecting that. We were punished. You know? I I wish Triple H the best. I have no idea what's going on with him. But, dude, every single fingerprint that he has had in that company in the last five years is being washed away. So, while we're probably... We're probably very wrong in considering it the death spiral because WWE, you want to talk about cockroaches like WWE is the biggest cockroach. Not only will it never die, it'll do good forever. But but I I agree. I do. Obviously, I do. Um, I think it's the death spot, the death spiral of, of the promise of something better. Yeah, I think that that's probably the best way to put it, isn't it? The the. The loss of the idea that perhaps WWE could not be what it is currently. And that doesn't mean that it has to be what it was before. It could be something new. But, yeah. Um, And the death of NXT, 
look, I get it. It was not serving its purpose as a developmental ground if at that point it's becoming a third brand. But, um, you know, we'll be talking about this forever. Could NXT have sustainably did done what it did? What if they never put it up against AEW? Uh, what if you just did a different developmental program and kept NXT as your indies brand? We'll, we'll talk about this forever. And that is kind of the shame is the old guards gone and that's okay, right? Like guards are meant to change over. Um, and there's some young talent in WWE for sure. But, um, you know, it seems all but certain that Gargano is going to be gone. That Kyle O'Reilly, maybe Ciampa, Keith Lee's already gone. Adam Cole's already gone. Kevin you know, Owens, it, Sammy Zane. Kevin o- yeah, Kevin Owens and Sammy definitely seem like people that like, like we feel like this is a matter of time. It's truly engulfed in 1994 era WWF and not good. But, you know, I... You could even look back at that time, and at least you were you were throwing a bone with you know, King of the Ring, when Austin had his debut. But I don't know. It's just it's the Barnum and Bailey's of fucking wrestling. It's just like uh, here's some animals and some clowns, and there you go. So I mean, <laughs> you know, it was cool when your parents were around, but you know, it's just like I don't know. It just sucks because you want multiple vehicles to to serve its purpose in wrestling. AEW certainly have has grabbed that torch and is fucking running with it, and so be it. Um, I'm not saying like you know, WWE again. I'm not saying that WWE has to have these optics of number one main show forever, then now forever. I'm just saying like you know, it's just the waste, like just the wasted opportunities that that they had. Is, is fucking Walter coming to the main roster? Absolutely not. So it's just like fucking, I don't know. It's just, it, it's hard to invest. And that's the whole purpose of re- being a wrestling fan, right? You want to invest. You want to root. You want to, you want to be delivered on your expectations, but it's just not happening. You know what feels wasted to me? And look, I think to pat ourselves on the back here, we've done a pretty fucking good job of not shitting all over WWE for the last couple of months now. Like, but you've noticed probably that we don't really talk about it quite as much. Um, and I don't think it's fair to say, well, uh, you know, you know, are we biased towards new Japan? Am I biased towards new Japan? Sure. Of course I am. Um, a lot of people feel that new Japan's had a fucking terrible year, but, I'll continue to stand them. I'm repping the fucking lion mark right now. And I'll continue to call in the best wrestling on the planet. Uh, I would not cause fucking stands of AEW by any stretch of the imagination. But like the reason we spend more time talking about AEW or impact or new Japan is frankly, like you said, like the magic feels gone. The it's the circus. And you know what? The thrill is gone. We're, we're a little old to go to the circus and still be amazed at, the elephants juggling, you know, because you see through the fucking veneer and it's not that you shouldn't change. It's not that WWE shouldn't change You always need younger stars, but doesn't it a little bit feel like the people you expected to be on top never really actually were right. And that's how it feels for me. 
Yeah. And again, it, it it's like if they had, uh, it, uh, let's take this hangman example, you know, you invest in for the last two years and then you're going to have him lose because Kenny Omega has to be the guy and that's it. And unless Brock Lesnar is going to step in, then he's not going to lose. And that's the thing. You know, I think we touched upon this um, in the last episode. It's it's the idea of you know what's coming in WWE. You can plan every year to the T and you will be right. And this has certainly, this has been a thing with WWE for the last decade. You know, you know what's coming. We know that Roman is probably going to hold the belt till WrestleMania and thereafter. Who is he going to lose to? Is it going to be worth it? We don't know because all the guys we expected to rise up to the top are gone. Or they're just not going to do it. So I don't know. It, it, it's the constant disrespect. The wrestling fans should never always be right. Certainly. Uh, me, myself included. <laughs> of all the fucking fantasy <laughs> booking I've done on this podcast. But, you know, I don't know. It's, it's, it's tiresome. It really is. But that being said... It's AEW's time to shine, so I'm all in. Kofi Mania was two years ago. Yeah. Maybe a little bit more. And that was the last time that I remember really being invested in WWE. With due respect to Edge for Seth Rollins, which were lit, like Edge's comeback story. With due respect to Seth. With due respect to Bianca Belair. Like... Maybe Bianca's chase was the last time I was truly invested. Um, but like Kofi Mania was the last time that WWE did a storyline that just fucking gripped me and was like, holy shit, like this is why I love professional wrestling. And I agree. I, I I do. And it doesn't make me happy. It doesn't make me happy to see WWE this boring. It's what we grew up on. But at the end of the day, like you said, this is AEW's time to shine. And if the last year has shown us anything, it's that regardless of whether AEW supplants WWE or even comes close to it, as far as professional wrestling is concerned, as far as we as a podcast are concerned, AEW are the people to pay attention to until something changes. Until some, at least in North America, until something changes, they are the people you pay attention to. And here's the thing I'll, I'll leave off at. You had Royal Rumble 2018, 19, I want to say, when Keith Lee came out and uh, Brock had his, ooh, big oh, boy that reaction. reaction. Yeah. That's what WWE thrived off of, is those fucking natural reactions. And no, we're not going to do anything with it. We're not going to do anything with it. Goodbye. Goodbye. I don't, uh, Keith Lee's fat. I don't want to deal with him. Like, it's just that. Like, you know what I mean? You, there, Imagine. There was, there was a money feud that got booked in a matter of 10 seconds. And Ryan, they sent Keith Lee to wrestling camp. They sent Keith Lee to the performance center to learn what exactly? To learn how to arm drag? Here's like, another to- thing. You had... Bray Wyatt coming off the death of his beloved friend, creating one of the most unique characters in the last 20 years of WWE. Now, 
I don't like it. Burn him. He's gone. He's done. We're going to hang And off. that's after he goes over high profile people. Where the only people that beats him is Goldberg. No, no, no. Goodbye. No more. Okay. Bye-bye. So it's just that. We'll leave, we'll leave it at that. It's just like, you know, the last, <laughs> the last remaining thread I had of, of, of attention to WWE is it's gone. And it's sad. To be different than you, the worst part of the last year has been the inability of the Japanese crowds to react the way that they normally would to some incredible wrestling matches. And the overall diminished quality of New Japan's main event booking and booking in general. Uh, Gato's in a fucking pickle right now. And some of it is self-made. Some of it is out of his control. But uh, that's kind of the worst thing for me. The fact that Kota Ibushi beat Jay White to become God and win the double championship in silence. That Naito's reign was ruined, you know, but that's prior to that's the that's probably the worst thing for me is that a promotion that I truly love that I I love and I'm so invested in is struggling kind of this badly um and I hope that the end of the year makes it better uh now I know that this is a little bit more meandering than last year's but look it's a little bit of sentimentality at the end of the day isn't it um We haven't accomplished much in the grand scheme of podcasting, but to us, this is everything. To us, we get to talk about something that both of us love and live by, and we get to do it bi-weekly through grad school and promotions and partners and vacations and, and, and life, and we get to do it. And we get to know that every week, some amount of, or every couple of weeks, every some amount of people gets together and go, oh boy, the new FFC episode is out. I'm going to go listen to that. That we have some friends come to us and say, this is the way that I get my wrestling news. This is the way I get my information. I don't go on Google. I don't like watch the show. I, I listen to you guys recap it or I listen to you guys talk about shit and that's what we do. And that's so fucking cool to me that anybody trusts me, let alone the veritable encyclopedia that is Ryan, who you should trust, that anybody trusts me to give you uh, information or opinions on this shit. Uh, To have somebody like Chris Sweeney come on, who's been doing this for 10 years, five times as long as we have. And and see how cool it is that that we talk about New Japan and that we're one of the only podcasts that regularly does it. Life affirming. <laughs> to to have people like Desmond or Matt or Anthony or Kyle come on and talk to us and and give us their time is so fucking cool to me and. When we talk about what do we hope to accomplish, well, that's what I hope to fucking accomplish, is to be a little bit of entertainment for the few people that listen to us. And we've meandered a little bit over this last year, haven't we, right? We've done some big history pieces that we try to be known for. We do more recap. We do more, uh, you know, basic, just, just riffing type shit. And some of it works and some of it doesn't. But at the end of the day... You guys and gals tune in and you listen. And that's everything to us. 
it's uh we'll always deliver for you the people as best we can and, and uh you know if if we ever have a time where uh John Moran pops up and says ooh big boy we will deliver on that championship match between <laughs> Damian go. and John Moran there you go and most of all when we talk about expectations or the thing you know here's the question we'll leave it off on right Ryan what are you most proud of over the last year and it doesn't even have to be podcast specific could be just about you. Could be about something. What are you most proud of? I suffer from imposter syndrome in a lot of aspects of my life. And I went through a malaise in the last year. And as our friend and dear brother of the podcast, Travis Gentile, said, it's all about the malaise, brother. I came out at the end of it with a new promotion at my job. And I'm pretty happy because I took I took my time at this company that I'm at in a weird point in my life. It was like it was I just needed to do something new. And everybody was like, nah, don't do it, don't work there. And I turned I flipped it into three positions, including this new one. So I think that things are starting to finally turn around in the old avenues. Of my life, and it's just, it's good. I don't know what's going to happen from here on out. There's certainly been a lot of bullshit and a lot of tough times in the last year and a half. The last two years, I should say. But, um, you know, I, I, I could start, I could start finally to plan ahead. And I think that's something that a lot of young people suffer from is that we live in the moment, we live for tonight, and there's certainly nothing wrong with that. Who knows what the fuck is going to happen tomorrow? Who knows what the fuck is going to happen a week from now? But the idea of something new, the idea of planning ahead is very important to have that in your perspective. And we touched upon this with the news of Moxley getting help. But don't be afraid to get help. Don't suffer in your own bullshit. Because half the time, that voice talking to you in your head, you know, I know certain people think about what's going to happen at work, what's going to happen with their relationships, what's going to happen in their life where they plan everything out and then that shit doesn't happen and you feel like an idiot. And the depression of that is almost worse than the anxiety of suffering through that event. And, you know, I think the most important thing is to just take your time, you know, Take your time, be grateful for what you have, and fucking just root for yourself. You are, you are your own Paul Heyman in life, you know, and don't be afraid is another thing. And, you know, I, I, I think that's, that's something that is certainly working out to my ability. And, you know, in, in terms of other people in my life too, you know, the people that have left us, the people that are still here. Um, it's, it's, it's going pretty good. It's going pretty good. Those are beautiful words, Ryan. Thank you. Uh, um, well, I know your life has certainly changed in the last year. Well, both of ours have, yeah. you know, <laughs> in many ways they haven't, in many ways they haven't. Right. For me, the thing I'm most proud of, the thing that is the best thing in the world 
is that I got married to the person that I love more than anything in this world. My wife. My wife. And I didn't do it the way we wanted to or the way we envisioned doing it. And we didn't do it the way that maybe some people expected of us. But we did it. And for the rest of my life, God willing, I get to refer to my best friend, this beautiful, incredible, intelligent, transcendent woman as my wife, as my partner, as my everything. And that is the most beautiful thing I could ever ask for. No matter how it happened, no matter what happened, no matter what led to it or what leads from it, that is something this year can never take away from me. And it's the greatest thing in the world. And it made my family ten times larger. And I've entered grad school and found renewed passion for homelessness for social work for the things that mean the most to me and sometimes the podcast has felt like a struggle and there have been times where I've wondered am I pushing myself too far I've thought Ryan's got this new promotion and I've got school and we've got partners and we've got responsibilities and is this should this be it should we take a break should we call it quits and we haven't and the main reason we haven't is because at the end of the day I get to talk to somebody who's become one of my best friends about something we love and I get to do that for 90 minutes to two hours every couple of weeks and it's helped create a bond that I think will be ever present Regardless of how long this podcast goes or how long we continue to do what we do for the 15 or 1500 or 15,000 people that listen to it is it's allowed me to create a bond and it's allowed me to really find my passion about something that I truly, truly love and appreciate and respect and allows me to fucking talk not out of my ass for once, which is kind of nice. So at the end of the day, the thing that I'm proudest of the most is that Ryan and I have somehow managed to do this stupid, awful, terrible fucking hobby, all while finding ways to better ourselves as people, for the people we love, and hopefully for the people that listen. Hopefully when you guys listen to this retrospective and you think back on us as friends or as strangers, that you can think, well, this has gotten a little bit better or at the very least that it hasn't gotten so much worse that you've stopped listening entirely. Right. And I know the sentimentality is a little boring. We don't usually watch professional wrestling for sentimentality. So why would we want to listen to it now? Right. But what Ryan said is a hundred percent salient. When you care about something, you make it work and you figure it out. And when you do that, you realize how thankful you were that you did it in the first place. 
And at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if no one listens to this or the whole world listens to this. And it doesn't matter if we get fucking Brian Danielson on this or we get Bryce Donovan or we get Rex Lawless or we get Max Caster or we get Kenny Omega or we get Tetsuya Naito. It doesn't matter who we get on this or who we don't get on this because at the end of the day, this podcast perseveres. That is what I am most thankful for, that we persevere. It's utter catharsis. And the only thing that's for sure about FFC is nothing's for sure, baby. Nothing's for sure, daddy. And so today, there is no legend killer. There is no special segment. No, what we're listening to. There is no wrap up segment. There's only this. For Ryan and myself, this is something that we have made work because we wanted to. And every person that tunes in matters so much to us, whether we know you or we don't, whether you come on a show or you don't, whether you make fun of us or you don't. The fact that our little passion project here maintains and withstands is so fucking cool to us. And every single person that's tuned in, episode after episode, bullshit segment through bullshit segment, you are all as important to us as anybody else. There's no need for gimmicks. Sometimes you just shoot. Sometimes there's no need for a script. You just speak. And that's what this last 20 minutes is about, isn't it, Ryan? Yes, indeed, my friend. And I think that's just been our credo for the last two years. It's just that we're just going to shoot, brother. We tried, you know, we, we certainly kept the same uh, structure of the episode, but I think in life, you just got to fucking shoot. And I think that ties to what we were both talking about. Certain aspects of your life, you're just shot on the spot. And certain aspects of my life, I just shot on the spot. And, you know, a constant thing that you have to think about is, you know, what if I did this 10 years ago? What if I did that five years ago? You may not like what was on the other side of those choices. Sometimes you just have to fucking take what you got and go with it. And uh, that's the thing, brother. We just got to take with it and just continue the next 10 years of this podcast. That's right, folks. We just signed a 10-year contract mm-hmm. with ourselves that we will continue mm-hmm. this. Turner so. Media is going to be giving us money for it. But absolutely true, true statements, right? Sometimes you have to be Hulk Hogan and give yourself creative control over your own contract, brother. And you go over when you feel like going over and you put over when you feel like putting over. Right? That's what it's all about. You bet on yourself. And you make it work. So at the end of the day, that's what this podcast is about. Whether we do long, sprawling history segments with a shit ton written down, or we speak from the heart, or we just do a recap, or we talk about fucking nothing, or we do an interview, all of that is the the simple essence of what this podcast is. A way to help people that aren't in the know, maybe be a little bit more in the know, to help veterans 
not help veterans, but to give veterans something that they can be like, oh, it's cool. These guys know what they're talking about. That's sick. To sometimes provide a platform for people that deserve a platform that may not be getting it otherwise. People like Desmond. People like Anthony. People like Bryce or Rex. People that deserve those platforms. And, you know, we can be one small stepping stone on their way to greatness. At the end of the day, this podcast is about shooting. It's about calling your shot. It's about not taking screw jobs. I'm running out of wrestling metaphors. It's about breaking kayfabe and doing what's right for you. Doing it not because it's easy, but because it's right. So, at the end of the day, like Ryan said, 10 years, 100 years, FFC. 100 years times 10. 10 times 100 FFC episodes. Whether it's 50 episodes or 100 episodes, whether we quit next episode or go on, until we're both old and gray and don't understand what wrestling is anymore because they use too many lasers. This podcast will be here for you guys to take whatever you think you can get out of it. Just squeeze us dry like like washcloths, like dirty washcloths. That's all Ryan and I are, dirty washcloths. What a way to end it on. <laughs> well, that's, that's all that, that's, you know... Uh, Sometimes you have a way with words and sometimes you have not way. Dirty washcloths so, with the promise of OxyClean at the end of it. There you go. So, Ryan, we get to the end. What is your grand prediction for this year? We will interview in three people on AEW Dynamite. <laughs> uh, Do they have to be like on Dynamite or like... Hey, they're on Dynamite, they're on Dynamite, brother. I don't care. Okay. No, I think we will just continue to have another year of uh, continuing one of the favorite things I like to do week in and week out. And I think we're going to have a fucking great time. We'll see what happens. And, uh, you know, I would like to interview, you know, hey, Blue Meanie, if you want to make a quick 50 bucks... (laughs) <laughs> hop on hop on our podcast. Yeah, we'll pay you for it. Fuck it. You showed up at dark at some point. Show up here. Why not? Uh, I like that. The only prediction we have is that we're going to continue doing our best. If that ain't the most fucking baby face New Japan fucking promo you've ever heard. It's what literally every single baby face in Japan says. Do our best. We're going to give it all our, our all. And we're going to go out and fight because this podcast is the spirit of Piroresu, of King's Road, of strong style. That's us. That's us. That's we. My prediction for this year is that we will grow as a podcast, as people, one way or another, we will grow. Also, Rocky Romero officially added Orange Cassidy to be a member of Chaos. So, best friends are chaos. All of best friends. All of best friends are chaos. Chucky again. Trent again. Orange Cassidy. Even Wheeler Yuta. Fucking Wheeler Yuta. A member of chaos as per Rocky Romero. So, today is a good day, Ryan. Today is a good day. And so, at the end of the day, There are no beverages. 
There are no musics, no old gimmicks, no movies, just two people and an audience talking about what they love. Continuing to do that until the sun explodes. So Ryan, for the world, for myself, this has been and will always be the most electrifying must-listen-to podcast in sports entertainment. This is F F C.